people who are doing work at a community level. It's really kind of just what having organic conversations about like how people like naturally get involved and it's really not like this sports thing and it's really kind of like around your schedule and your life and what you're passionate about. Livewire Calgary presents Court and Keith Connecting Calgary, a community-focused podcast with your hosts, Courtney Brannigan and Keith Simmons. Okay, I'm Morgan Turrigan. Hi, Morgan. How are you? Pretty good. How about you? Good. Uh, so we are here with Morgan, and we're going to be talking about some of the initiatives that she undertook in the community of Haysboro. Yeah, it's good to see you again. The yes. last time we saw one another was at a storytelling event at the Fish Creek Library. Yeah, it was really fun. Was, uh, one of the other things that Court does, but we're not here to talk about Court, we're here to talk about you. <laughs> that was the day that Court wasn't at any location and was holed up in taking the stories digitally. It was actually, but it was really neat to see them all come in and see the photos. Um, so what we're referring to is there's a group in the city called the Community Development Learning Initiative, uh, and they put on an event called Weaving Our Stories, and it connected community, uh, volunteers from across the city at 14 different library locations and Morgan was at Fish Creek. Yeah, it was really fascinating to get a chance to talk about some of the things I did, which are, which I enjoy, but are a lot smaller scale than some of the other stories that were being brought. And it was such an inspiring day of evening to hear about these amazing initiatives people were doing. And It seemed it was, like you were bursting at the seams, so this is going to be a good opportunity. I yeah. can hardly wait for the <laughs> listeners to get a chance to hear the rest or to hear more because a lot of people haven't heard your story. Yeah. And again, when we think about community building and community development, often we think about the big things and the showy things, um, but often it is just that small spark uh, and that small little bit of inspiration that a community can get behind. And so I want to hear more about this, and I know um, we're in the same community, yeah. but we don't often talk to each other about origin stories. So tell me, what was your inspiration for starting Haysboro Rocks? My inspiration for Haysboro Rocks is literally that my children kept, who are now five and seven, kept taking rocks out of the playground and I, because they loved rocks and I wanted them to return it. And, and against all logic, I found that if we painted them to decorate them so that other kids could play with them, they would be willing to return the rocks. They were not willing to return unpainted rocks, something about those or theirs. But by painting them and turning it into an art project, my kids who were just a few years ago, were suddenly much more willing because they could see that other kids got joy out of their art. And that made it really fun so that we had an activity to do at home and to get the rocks out and back out of my house to where they belonged. And also, um, my child was in preschool at the time, so we got to see them regularly and we got to see other kids play with the rocks. And so it started literally to try to get rocks out of my dining room and ended up being something so much more fun than that. Awesome. And for context for the listeners, we're talking rocks that are approximately the size of a baseball as part of our um, dry beds. Uh, so just for context, we're not painting pea gravel here. In fairness, pea gravel has been painted. In fairness, okay, good to know. But generally they are rocks the size of, from the kids' hands to, I don't know, a, a large football. So yeah. de depending on what, what that rock speaks to them as. Mm -hmm. Was you, one of the rules you had to be able to carry it all the way home yourself? Um, I, we generally uh, did, though I think my daughter did paint a whale shark in the playground at one of the events. So it is much too, she couldn't even lift it. It had to be carried around. <laughs> Well, that's cool. So that's actually taking the art into the community yeah, quite literally. Yeah, yeah. And we actually did after the initial me 
throwing rocks. The, I, I checked with the, the staff in the hall to make sure it was okay that I started littering in the playground with these rocks. Um, we, we started doing it with the preschool and in the community so that we actually had events where not just my children got to add more rocks to the playground. So what are, so yeah, we talked about how the preschoolers, um, what kind of play have you seen as a result of the painted rocks? Oh, um, all sorts of things. Some of it is just the joy of moving rocks around, like, or finding kids will bury them and other kids will dig them up. So there's, some of the joy is just in finding it. Some of them were designed to look like food. Like I remember seeing avocados and grapes and fried eggs and all sorts of food things that got oranges. used. Oranges, grapefruits got used in food play because there's a, a, an old plastic kitchen out there and some muffin trays. So I saw it got used as like, have your avocado toast, mom. Haha, <laughs> you know, here's a rock sandwich. Um, and a lot of them get, you know, stacked up in trucks and pushed around the playground everywhere. Awesome. Uh, what other, and I know, I think there's some animals. Is there oh, not? yeah, lots of animals. Um, I personally really enjoy painting like whales and dolphins and fish. So there's a ton of fish in, especially the part of the creek bed that floods. So that's why I'm trying to throw all the fish in there because then look, they're swimming in the pond or whatever. And so, yeah, lots of that. Yeah, and some abstract art. Yep, especially the younger kids really just enjoy the act of painting the rocks. Not all of the kids are into painting the rocks to look like a thing. And yeah. that's and it's, it's lovely because it's such a community project that it doesn't have to be. To, we're all going to paint rocks that look like fish to make our creek bed full of fish, which is something we've seen on Pinterest. It looks great. That's not this project at all. Yeah, and to paint another part of the picture, one of the things that I'm really envious of, what you've got here in Haysboro, is you took the opportunity to create a risky play space yes and that's something that uh, I really think we need to embrace a lot more right across the city and if people can start to get places where you can make a couple whales and dolphins to take up the dry creek bed that's pretty cool too yeah mm -hmm. and it's such a great playground for it because you know the playground that was here before had swings and a slide and a climbing structure but the nature playground is so much more fun for the kids yeah there's so much more options for free play and for having a creek full of fish or you know yeah. rockfish but <laughs> and when we when that first when the playground first went in the size of those rocks was a huge concern um, you know, as an object that could be hurled. And so I love that you've come in and said, like, it was. We had a lot of, there was a lot of back and forth about it, truthfully. And we said, no, let's see how it goes. Um, and so when you've come in and able to take the rocks and give purpose to them um, in this really creative way, I think it's helped solidify that these when are not we they're, baseballs. They're, they're not, not baseballs, baseballs, right? There are rocks. I have never painted the, a rock as a baseball. But also, <laughs> yeah, but also that it opens up kids' imagination to think of different ways to see objects, right? Yeah. So we are really creating that open-ended free play. Uh, and so yes, some of it may be food, but some of them are abstract and the kids are using them in so many different creative ways. It's also a really wonderful lesson that is hard for kids to grasp, and it's so good that we're teaching it at this age, is it's, it's the lesson of impermanence. These rocks, we, we modge-podge them, we try to seal them. Most of them, if outside, will last a year or two before they start to wear off. Some of them just go home with kids. Um, it's a lesson that you can make this thing, and it is lovely, and you love it, and you put it out in the world, and it lasts, or it doesn't, or you see it again, or you don't, and that the joy is in the creation, not the owning. And that is, at least for my children, have been a really hard lesson to grasp that you don't have to keep everything forever. Like, you don't have to hoard your preciousness. You can make it and then you can put it out and then you can make more. And that it's the, the, the creativity or the ownership or whatever is not a, a finite thing. The adult 
humans need to learn that lesson. Oh, it, it, I won't lie. It's been a struggle for me too. There's there there are there's one there's still a bunch of rocks on my front porch that either haven't made it back or just quite aren't ready to give away because they're just so cute. But but it's but I think that's okay. Like if we give ninety percent away, the ten percent we keep for a while. Then yes. can move on later. They're more special. But yeah, but it, but it is it is it is a lesson of like watching these things fall apart and knowing that that's okay. Like that you did this thing, and it was loved, and now it is gone, and that's that's hard. Yeah, yeah. coming to like my generation for sure. Uh, one of the things about becoming an adult, I just couldn't grasp that things needed maintenance, that they needed to be replaced. I was given the impression from my parents and grandparents that everything lasted forever. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, nothing does. <laughs> no. Yeah. So you're talking about preschoolers that were involved in, yeah. in painting the rocks. Now, was this an official thing with the school? Was it here at the Community Association? What did you do there? Over the last couple of years, we've done a few things. We've done it, I believe, with the preschool at least once. We've done it with the summer play group, both the younger kids and the older kids. The One of the schools, St. Gerard, has paint, had saw the rocks on one of their walks to the playground and thought they were fun, so they did a whole bunch, and then uh, I modge-podged them for them just because they didn't have the, the you know, time for that. Uh, at one point, the junior high was going to come, but then we were smoked out from the forest fires. Um, so, so it's definitely been a, a variety of age groups. So, some lots of parents have taken them home. Yep. Speaking from experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but but it's nice because when we do like the um, the play group in the morning with the under five kids. Obviously, kids with siblings also are doing it, or parents are doing it, and and it gives the younger kids an opportunity. And we also did it on that the, the, the evening play group in the summer when the kids were like six to twelve. So that was without parents and a very different experience. But again, the kids really enjoy that art that they can do. And then like, it took. I think I spent more time mod podging the rocks to seal them than I have, you know, than they did painting. And that was fine. But yeah, because they, they were they were really really productive with that. I think they made. A couple hundred rocks over one evening. Oh my goodness! Oh yeah, I don't know if I ever showed you the picture, or well, like what the basement, the uh, the skate room looked like, but it was rocks everywhere. So How official did you have to make this program to make it work? Very unofficial. I believe that the play group said, "Hey, could you? Uh, are you interested in doing some rocks?" And I said, "Okay, sure. We'll be there probably anyways. Let's just make sure it's a day I can guarantee to be there." And that was about it. I believe Courtney donated some paint originally, and I think since then, in the three years we've been doing this, we've maybe spent like $25 on paint and paintbrushes beyond what already exists in the building, so that's, and some Mod Podge. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a really great low-cost, high-impact, um, and like high-engagement activity for the community. It's yeah. been awesome. Anything you can get away with for 15 bucks a year is <laughs> and, and, and has, like, value and enjoyment in the community. Pretty good ROI. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I actually just heard, speaking of ROI, often we talk about return on investment. Um, but I heard the other day we should actually call it return on involvement. So we had, so a, a, very we had, a, great, we had a great ROI on this project. <laughs> yes. Yeah. One of the things to do in the future is to look into like spray varnishes if we're going to do things like yeah. this because the amount of time it takes. <laughs> right. But, so, but again, but that's like a learning thing. And, and, you know, when we run out of the Mod Podge, we'll look into that once we use up what we have. We'll right. figure out the next thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many rocks do you think have been painted in total? A thousand. Again, over three years, and not only in my living room. <laughs> and for context, there are still a lot of blank rocks oh, out there. Oh, yes. I, actually, I'm always amazed how we'll like throw like 200 rocks into the, the garden or into the playground, and then like a week later, there's like none. Now, 
they're often they've been moved around, they're buried, they've been they've walked home. A lot of them come back. It's fine, but yeah, it, it, there's so many rocks out there that it doesn't feel like you know we spray painted the garden green or something. Yeah, and they are nice little treasures to find. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kind of like community people. Kind of like community <laughs> people. Ah, uh, yeah, it would be. Oh, now I just have an idea that we need to drop a rock on every doorstep and be like, paint a rock and leave it at the park. <laughs> I wonder how that would go. 3,000 homes. I bet you it would be really interesting. I, I bet do... you get a few hundred more painted rocks. Yeah. <laughs> Thousand. Maybe. We definitely would have to do instructions on how to seal them because if you don't seal yes. like, the rocks, they just the paint yeah. washes off the first time it rains. That, right. that is like the yeah. one high effort part of it is making sure that the work isn't gone the very first day it rains right. instead of... You know, after the first or second winter, which is fine. Yeah. Now, rocks aren't the only thing you've done in the community. You found a, a hap, happenstance little <laughs> room in the building um, that was being underused, and you had a vision for it. So tell me about that. Tell me what you did. So this one I actually came in not as the original idea person. There's a call went out saying, we would like to start a toy library in the community. Would anyone like to help? And in the end, Tara, who started it, and myself were the only people who answered the call to do the work. A lot of people donated toys, which is also awesome. So we took this little room in the... We started with one room, we moved to a, a better location room downstairs, and it, all it is is it's wall-to-wall -wall shelving and toys, because we all have toys that our children have outgrown that are too good to throw away, aren't good enough to try to sell, or not, no, it's not worth the effort to try to sell for like a dollar on Facebook Marketplace, and, and maybe your kids, my kids, want to play with them again, but you really don't need them now. So we, start, we, we started this, we put out a call for toys, and there are a thousand, no, Five or six hundred listed toys, and we, we have a we have a spreadsheet so that we can keep track, hypothetically keep track of what's coming and going. And so it's a room where anyone with a community membership can just come in, borrow toys for a couple of weeks, return, sign them out, sign them back in when they return them. Um, we've definitely toys have gone missing, but so many toys have come in that there's no that that's okay. The room is still very full. Yeah, and it's lovely because it allows me to get toys out of my house and bring in new toys because when my children you know when the winters are long and you want something new you can just go borrow a couple of new toys and you don't have to buy a thing yeah. and then deal with all of that you can go rent it and borrow it play with it bring it back and mm -hmm. then and I've heard of like grandparents in the oh, community oh yes lots have... of grandparents um, you know, they just maybe have their kids for a weekend or their family's coming to town. Yeah. And so they're able to pop into the toy library, take out, you know, eight or ten pieces. And we have, and I mean, there's board games down there. There's baby toys, toddler toys, um, not qu not quite as many older kid toys. But we, I, I yeah. noticed maybe the other day there might be a few more. We put out a call for older kid toys, but I think those ones end up being more like games that people want to hold on to because they have a lot longer reuse than mm -hmm. like the the baby toy popping ball thing that you want out of your house the moment your kid is done with it yeah <laughs> and so yeah we so we've, we definitely tried to extend the age beyond just the little kid stuff and um yeah it's great there we have puzzles and and uh some like work something things you can take on vacation like cards for the the airplane kind of thing so yeah. it, it's but it's nice because the cost of that has been i think one shelf cuz there was right. there's four shelves that existed and we need one more kind of thing so it's again been essentially no no money and um, some photocopying sign in sheets or yeah. so you can sign out your toys and that's been it other so than the donation of the space of course have you been able to break free from the uh 
toys that you have at home that you can never give up? Yeah, yeah. We, I, I got rid of so many things. It's been great. I didn't. I, I, I joked that I donated like a tenth of the toys in there, and and it's probably not true, but it was so great because again, teaching my children that you can let go something you love, and that it's okay was a lesson I needed and they needed. So it was such. It was great because it. The value is in the toy library, but it had this nice lesson I could also take home for my children. So that was like a nice bonus. And I got so much out of my house. I was uh, also happy to donate a few items. <laughs> More than a few. Yeah. And, and so many people have been like, oh, this is wonderful. I can get rid of things. And then only after come back and like, oh, I'd like to borrow something. Like, I think more people were originally excited to get rid of toys. And so we got so many at the first. And the, the people taking borrowing ramped up a little slower but it has, and things go yeah. in and out. And Yeah, and back to little kids teaching us lessons. They know the value of the toy better than we do. We always look at it from a dollar figure. Is it broken? Kids don't care. They're yeah. happy to play and have fun with whatever yeah. it is that they've got. And it's cool because you give them the, the, the idea that some other kid is going to get to play with this. That, they're stoked. So yeah. happy. Well, and I, and I love that in both scenarios, there really is this, um, in, embedding of a value of sharing within yes. a community yeah. that we're able to to teach our kids about at this early age, right? That, yeah. you know, oh, and because, you know, maybe they get a recommendation from a friend on a toy library or they see that their friend's painting a shark, so they want to paint a shark. Yep. And so it's really creating that early sense of community. Yes. Uh, and, which is so valuable because that does stick with people. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, Yes, they're experiencing it at three, four, five, and they may never be able to articulate that into adulthood as like a foundational experience, but we know that when kids have these kinds of experiences, it really does stick with them. And, and the knowledge, the very concrete knowledge that you can, that, that stuff that you no, no longer is valuable to you may be valuable to other people. Like that one is, again, you know, you don't have to hold on to it just because you, you know because I liked it that one time. It's like, no, someone else can, it can also be loved by someone else. And isn't it great that I, I can give something. And it's hard, you know, there's not as much that kids can do to be good, you know, volunteers in that way, but this allows them to give what they love out to the world. Mm -hmm. Both of them really. And, And I think, you know, in a time where we're conscious of, you know, how much we own and what we take, also that we can reuse things or other people can reuse things, right? Yeah. Just because you are done with it doesn't mean it's, you know, it goes in the trash, it goes to the landfill, right? That things can have a nice long life. Yeah. And how do we how do we teach kids about that, right? The longevity of, of items. Yeah. I love that. And we live in a neighborhood of relatively small houses. None of us have unlimited storage, especially for old toys. Yeah. So it's nice because it was nice for on just a purely selfish level of like, I can get stuff out of my house. Like there's, there's, it's one of those like, there's no, it's an all win, 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 win situation. There's no, no one loses in this. And it's lovely when you can be part of something where it's net, it's only positive. Like there's literally nothing bad about any part of this toy library. It's all great. Yeah. It's really cool. Uh, and so you are also involved in Sparks and Girl Guides. Yeah. I was a girl member for nine years and I'm now on my third year of being a Sparks, Spartan, Sparks leader, which is the kindergarten and grade one girls. And we meet, uh, in the Southwood, so the community right next door. So there's a ton of neighborhood children in there. And mm-hmm. I really enjoy it because it's a very, I like little kids. Little kids are fun. They have great, insane imaginations. And um, the, the new program is fantastic. It allows us basically to do whatever we want and figure out how it counts towards badges, which is 
really mm -hmm. fun. So like last night, we t we um, made glitter jars and breathing buddies, which are little unicorns that they, if they lay down on their backs and they breathe deeply, the unicorn's head bobs up and down on their stomach. And the glitter bottle they can stare at, and it's very soothing as the glitter falls. And it's just designed to teaching them how to be, how to calm their body when they're upset. And this counts like as as programming. And this is a skill, also I need to continually work on. So it, it's really fun to be able to teach at, at a level that's not like a daily teaching job because there's so much higher expectations versus girl guys, which is like let's do something cool next week. We're going to learn how to play frisbee. You touched on on it just like a little bit there about maybe how the the model has changed around yep, getting yep. badges, right? And so I'm, you know, I was I went to brownies, right? Um, the square, brown uniform. The square knot was the best thing I took away, right? <laughs> left over right, right over left. So it sounds like that has shifted a little bit. Can you maybe do you have some insight into that and how that's it's going? It's a brand new thing. This is only its its first official year, its second year of this new program, which went at least for the Sparks was a very rigid. You will learn how to apply a bandage. Check. You will learn how to, I don't know, look for an animal tracks outside, from the window. Check. Like it was very. It was is fine. It was, but it was very, especially for the youngest children, very rigid and not that exciting and the new one allows us to have and, and it's based on a whole lot of research the Girl Guides of Canada has done into trying to make it both a more useful experience and also more engaging for, for both the girls and the adults and I think they nailed it. I think it's super fun because it allows us the freedom of what do the girls want to do? Uh, the girls were really interested in animals this year, so we are going to make um, toys for the animal shelter and then we're going to go visit it because that's what they wanted to do, so that's mm -hmm. what we're, we're going to go see. And so it's it's a really fun program because I'm, but again, I'm a fairly new guider, so I don't have a lot of institutional history with the old ones. So for me, it's just like, woohoo, look at this fun new thing I can do. And what do I want to teach? What do I want to learn? What do I, my kids love glitter jars. Um, my One of my children find it really helpful for anxiety. So I'm like, oh, well, if my kids like this, and frankly, I like them, they're very pretty. I bet you all the other children would, would like to see them. So it allows me a lot of creative freedom to do mm -hmm. whatever myself and my co-guiders decide we want to do within mm -hmm. the realm of teaching right. two small children. Like, there's the, it, there are limits. Yeah. It sounds like stewardship, though, is still a big part, part oh, yeah. of the program, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and, like, giving back to the community and building. And it sounds like... You know, if you're going to be focused on animals, that was kind of a group decision. Yeah. And so yeah. building that sense of community within that small group, but then giving back to the community. It's actually now explicitly built in. There are eight themes, badges you do over a two-year program. And one of them is how to your voice, your choice, and your actions. Basically, what do you care about? How do you talk about it and do things about it? So for the youngest children, it's they really like animals. So thus, we as leaders went out and figured out okay, what are the animal shelters? What can we do? What, 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 what could we make to benefit them? Mm -hmm. But if we had a group of girls who were really into the environment, we would go out and do something completely different. But it's literally built into the program that you're supposed to be doing teaching and doing volunteer activities. We did um, Remembrance Day cards for veterans just because it was that time of year. So we all wrote nice postcards and then mm -hmm. delivered them, I think, to the Belcher. And so there's options and, and, and it's but it, it, it really embeds volunteering in it and I was a girl member for nine years I am sure I did a ton of this stuff I, I don't remember it but it clearly like embedded itself foundationally because I didn't come from a home with fault that anyone did volunteering and yet 
here I am. <laughs> so so maybe, maybe they, they got me when I was younger, just, just enough to be like, oh, right, this is a thing that people do. Like, you just... I've got to say kudos to Girl Guides Canada, because yeah. it sounds to me also like the, the relationships that are being born there are definitely more properly stitched together. Like, a lot of the people who would recall a relationship they had out of guides or... Yeah. or scouts or something like that is going to be a we endured kind of relationship yeah. right we did that yeah we all made it through alive <laughs> we did it we did a nature we, we did survival camping in the winter for a weekend and no one died yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing is where here you're you're spending time actually getting to know one another and sharing who you are rather yeah. than sharing what it is that the program is expecting you to yeah. expose. Yeah, and that's that's what they a ton of research went into this but that's I think exactly what they were going for was trying to figure out how how to do all those things and how to let how to teach how to let girls be who who she, everything she wants to be is I believe the current tagline and you know and each each group each leader and children set are going to be different and allowing everyone the permission to follow what you want to do I mean mm -hmm. well consensus building in a group full of other children who also have conflicting things it's it's a tough balance and. I mean, as a leader, there's definitely, a, sometimes I'm like, cool, I want to do this, so we're all making glitter jars. But, you know, so there's a dance to it that is, that is probably really good skills for everyone to learn how to demand and compromise. And, and social permissions, that's so, such a gray area today about how it is that we interact with one another. I think that's fantastic. And how we should not run around screaming in a small room with high ceilings with terrible acoustics. But, you know. <laughs> awesome. So for yourself, I mean, you've talked a lot about what you've given. What have you gotten? Definitely community. I grew up in an, I grew up in Hillhurst, um, and it was the kind of place where on our street we knew everyone, and there was a whole you know pack of kids, and literally I would go to neighbors and borrow sugar, and I moved out of that neighborhood as a young adult and didn't know like anyone in my my apartment buildings or my neighborhood so and then moving into Haysboro which already had such a strong sense of community this allowed me a really good into it without having to necessarily join through a really formal way without having to become like a board member it allowed me to take the amount of time I had and and do a thing to work myself into the community without having to ask permission or or commit more than I could with especially when I had two very small children so it allowed me to find a place of belonging and, and friendship with a whole bunch of people who I otherwise may or may not have met. Mm -hmm. So it, it definitely has given, and it's also, I used to work in the oil industry, I've been downsized a couple of times, I have all this energy I used to be able to give to my job, and right now I'm not working outside the house, so it gives me something to put my productive energies towards that have really much more satisfying, tangible goals than, than the work I did in a, in a large oil company. Yeah. So it, 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 and it gives me pleasure. Like some of the stuff is just purely for fun. Like the rocks really just started because we had a bunch of rocks and we had some paint and we wanted to do mm -hmm. a craft. So it, it comes from a joy. I, and I really appreciate that you say I didn't ask for permission because I think often people are afraid to step up and just start. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate that you started without permission, <laughs> right? It's like um, beg for forgiveness rather than asking yeah. permission. I mean, I, I did think... ask for permission be just to make sure that the rocks weren't yeah. going to hurt the garden or the, the, the playground, but otherwise, like, yeah, we've already done this. Like, is this cool? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, so I, I really like that. And often those hidden gems and that's how things start to grow and that's how 
momentum starts to grow in a community is when people just start. Yes. Right? And they, they have a conversation or they do a thing. Uh, Tara was like, I think we need a toy library. Someone help me with a toy library? I'm like, okay. And now we have a toy library. Like, it, yeah. And that one involved the permission of, hey, do we ha- can we use one of these empty spaces? But again, it was not a very, it was not an intensive process, I would imagine. It was like, yeah, we have a room. Yeah. And, and, and for us as a building, um, you know, like putting my, my, my board member hat on, right? The more, the more we're using our spaces, the more value we can bring in, the better, right? Yeah. Um, it brings value back into our community on multiple levels. So um, I just want to say thanks because I appreciate it. Um, and it, uh, I really, I enjoy the rocks. My girls, I feel, are a little <laughs> bit kind of, they haven't really aged out of the playground, but we are definitely spending less time there now yeah. that they're in elementary school. But every time I you know, we do go, or I often, when I'm stopping at the hall, I see, like, how well-loved it is over there, and it really has added a dimension of play that we never planned for, (laughs) we never expected, um, but are so, so thrilled to see. I love it, and I know that the whole community loves it, so thanks. Oh, I'm really glad (laughs) it is, we even have, like, the the Instagram feed for it. I really, it's delighted me how, how much how it's transformed from so much more. And I hope over the summer we will get a chance to do a couple more of them if there's, you know, the playgroups or whatever because they could use more rocks. It's probably after the winter going to be a little sparse. Yeah, Yeah, and part of doing this podcast is for us to recognize how it is that uh, you were able to lead, quote-unquote, in the community. Uh, And I think, uh, hey, community leaders, this is definitely a lesson learned. You can be doing a lot more if you don't put in so much prescribed methodology to things. Let your members... point the direction of what it is that you're trying to do. I think you're going to get a lot more uptake and I think a lot of communities and other organizations are struggling with how to get people involved when most of the time it's what they are that inhibits people from wanting to yeah. join anymore. The a lot of talking about what to do, not doing the, not doing just the, the thing. The new Girl Guides one is so much more of like, hey, let people do what they want with within a framework, but do what you want. And and to me, like that, again, it's so much more that you can do. It's so much more fun and more interesting as a volunteer if, if you're not like, okay, you're going to sit down and you're going to fill out this form and this and this, which is all important, but it's not... It's not the entry point for a lot of people. It's not the fun thing. And, and, you know, it's so much easier to bring someone in when it's fun than when it's like, okay, here's a bunch of work you need to do. It's going to be tedious. It's important. And that, that's required. But fun is such a good entry point. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for sitting down with oh, us this today. Great. i uh, glad we could connect our schedules. I look forward to more rock. Yeah, today. me too. It's good to see you, Morgan. Yeah, good, good to see, to see you guys again. too. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sitting down with us. I really, I really appreciate it. Oh, no, this is fun. I, it, it also helps me reflect on why. Sometimes you just do these things because they're in front of you and you don't really put a lot it's of thought. Why. But the why is, is a really good thing for me to sit with too. So, awesome. yeah, this is yeah. fun. It's awesome. great to see both Thank of you. Thank you, Morgan. Take care, everybody. <laughs>